thank you today. Just as we've sung this morning. Our trust is in you. And our lives cannot be shaken. Because our trust is firmly planted in you. You're an unshakable foundation, Jesus. No matter what storms come our way, and they certainly do come, we thank you that our lives are built on the rock, Christ Jesus. Thank you. You've been there in every storm. You've been there in the darkest night. You've been there in the high times, the low times, and every other time. And just like Steve said, it's our testimony too. Your grace has always been sufficient. More than enough. Lord, as we look back and as we look ahead, we thank you. We see a past that's filled with you and a future that you're never out of. And even our present day, you're always there, never leaving us or forsaking us. So, Lord, it's a joy today to be together in this place lifting our voice, singing your praise, and declaring your goodness. It's so good to be your people, your family, in this place, singing our praise. Or we could be at home this morning, watching online, wherever we are. We just love singing your praise as we come to your word right now. Holy Spirit, open our hearts to receive your encouragement and your strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn around and greet somebody just before you sit down? Say hello to somebody. Just encourage them. You never know. Somebody might just need that word of encouragement this morning that you're going to bring them. We're the family of God. God's people. Hallelujah. Oh, it's good to be together. It really is. It really is. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, over the last several weeks, we've looked at individuals in Romans chapter 16. I'm sure that you can name all 24 names that Paul listed there now. You should be able to. Paul commended and honored people in that chapter that he loved very much. These were his long-standing friends, fellow workers that he deeply respected and wanted to honor. 
and his relationship with them had been forged as they faithfully had served God together and faced many fiery trials in life. You know, it's wonderful to serve God shoulder to shoulder with people because it's amazing as we served God together in God's house and as we go through some fiery trials together, it's amazing how our lives are forged and joined together to have deep meaning friendships and relationships. And I know that's true right across our family here at King's Church as it was true for the Apostle Paul. These weren't just light-hearted acquaintances. These were friends that he had walked life with. These were friends that had been there in the high times, in the low times, in the great times, in the dark times. Paul had many, many friends throughout his travels, had gained many, many friends throughout his travels. They weren't just light-hearted acquaintances. These people would join together as one body. And we've seen that as we've looked at the lives that Paul honors in Romans chapter 16. And one of the striking things that we've seen in this series of making your life count, as we've looked at the people that Paul commends in this chapter and at, at, at this church in Rome, is that they were all from very different backgrounds. People from all walks of life are in Paul's list of honor. But they're all serving God together. Paul had a diverse group of friends around him. And yet they were all together helping one another. And one of the ways that Paul helped everyone to understand how diverse the church was, was in his use of word pictures and analogies. Over the last two weeks, as you'll remember, we've looked specifically at how Paul likened the church to a body, a body with many members set in their place by God. And Paul's great picture of a body with many members that he used in 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians represents how God connects all of our many different lives as one together in Christ Jesus. One of the main pictures of the church through Paul's eyes was a glorious body made of many different members all with different functions, all with different grace gifts, positioned exactly in place by God to be together as one. Now this morning, in this last message in this series that we've called Making Your Life Count, we're going to look at how the Apostle Peter saw the church. Because Peter, just like Paul, used powerful word pictures when describing God's people, you and me. His message, in essence, was exactly the same message as Paul's. But instead of seeing the church as a body with many parts, Peter pictures the church as a spiritual house, being built up with living stones, all set together with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. 
Peter pictures our lives being built together as God's holy habitation. That's what we are. When we come together as God's family, our lives are built together as God's holy habitation. The place that he inhabits, the place that he dwells in. But before we look at Peter's great picture this morning of God's people being God's building, I want to give you a little background as to why Peter wrote his first epistle, his first letter. And what the believers were facing when Peter wrote to them. Peter wrote to believers who had been exiled from their homeland. They'd had to leave their homes. They'd been scattered abroad over different provinces in Asia. Persecution, great persecution, had come against them to the point that their lives were in great danger and they'd had to flee from their homes, leave all of their belongings. Up to 50,000 people, it's believed, had had to flee from their homes and from the lands that they were in. They'd gone, Peter informs us, to Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And these provinces are in what we know as modern-day Turkey today. A huge disruption, crisis, and sudden change had occurred in these believers' lives that would have left them with many questions. When a crisis comes, when circumstances just come out of the blue and arrive in our lives, unexplained and unexpected, very often we're left in a state of questioning, and that was the place that these believers were at. They'd had to leave their homes, leave their loved ones, leave their belongings, and travel many thousands of miles to Asia from their homeland. And many of them were holding questions in their hearts. But what's wonderful to see is that whilst these believers encountered great sadness and loss and faced one crisis after another, being scattered over thousands of miles, Peter, the apostle, focused on what hadn't changed for any of them. And what hadn't changed was God's word about them. They may have been separated from one another, but the apostle Peter assured them that they were chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, set apart by the Holy Spirit for obedience, and sprinkled by the blood of Christ. Now, when you get a word into your crisis, just like that, from an apostle of Jesus Christ, the turbulence and the storm that you're facing, you're going to get clarity for. Their world had been turned upside down. But in their upside down world, the Word of God was still the same. And it's only God's Word, you know. It really is. It's only God's Word that can bring comfort and peace in the time of crisis. I don't know what may have turned your world upside down over in recent times, but I'll tell you when you have a word from God, it matters not what 
faces you and it doesn't make it easy all the time. But when you get that word of God, it comes like a shaft of light into the darkness to give you security, to give you strength, to hold you amidst the violence of the storm. And this is how Peter starts his letter, with the unchanging word of God to settle them securely in an ever-changing environment. Listen to his opening words. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. This was the unchanging Word of God that Peter announced to those believers as he began his letter. He didn't start it with panic. He didn't start it with fear. He didn't even start it with sympathy. He brought the unchanging word of God right into their lives, right into their circumstances to give them strength, encouragement, and direction. All of these people had experienced immense change in their lives. But Peter focused their minds and their hearts and their lives on the unchanging Word of God. It was that that remained the same. It was that that could never change. It was that that was settled in heaven about their lives, that circumstances couldn't complicate. And it was that that Peter wanted to focus their hearts on. You're chosen by God. You're foreknown by Him, irrespective of what is happening around you. Never forget the fact that you are called, chosen, set apart, sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit, and blood-bought by Christ Jesus. What Peter is showing us through his words of encouragement to these believers that had been exiled from their homes is that no matter how many conflicting events of life come our way or how difficult an unexplained circumstance may be, nothing can ever change the Word of God over your life. Nothing at all. Nothing can ever change what God has pronounced in His Word over any one of our lives. And I've said this many times over the years. I think it's in Hebrews, the writer says that all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. God has spoken word after word over your life and no circumstance, no condition of life, no crisis can ever change it, my friends. Ever at all. No, nothing can ever change God's word about you. You're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That means the Father made His choice about you a long time ago, and that choice 
circumstance, crisis, or any life con condition will never change. Though they were underwent fierce persecution and faced uncontrollable events that were out of their hands, though they'd been scattered in every direction, God's plan for their lives was unaffected by the external changes around them. Can you imagine how Peter's words must have strengthened and encouraged these believers in their tens of thousands as that letter and, and, and copies of that letter was passed around those many thousands of people. Oh, what an encouragement it must have been to them. They'd been dispersed in every direction across the landscape, across that vast continent. And yet to know that they were still foreknown by God, to know that they were still chosen, to know that the work of the Holy Spirit and the provision of Christ's blood still availed, irrespective of what was happening in life, that must have brought comfort to these believers. Nothing had changed in relation to them being called by God and set apart by the Holy Spirit. And nothing, nothing has changed in relation to your life either. Irrespective of the circumstances, irrespective of what people may have said to you, irrespective of even how you may feel about your relationship and your walk with the Lord, nothing has changed. You are foreknown by God. You're foreknown by God. You, you've been chosen by Him way before you knew it. In fact, way before you were even born. And no circumstance can ever change what God has decided and what God has brought into being by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the saving work of Jesus Christ. Nothing or no one. Not even yourself. Not even yourself. You can't mess it up. I tell you now, you, you cannot mess it up because God is good. God is good. He really is. And then on the back of this great encouragement of chapter 1, Peter sends out this amazing picture of them all being God's spiritual house in chapter 2. That's the background to this incredible picture that Peter sets before them in chapter 2. And by Peter's use of this metaphor of them being God's building, he shows them that they are at the very heart and center of God's activity in the world. Circumstances had scattered them thousands of miles from home. Yet they're still at the center of the Father's attention. Listen to his words in 1 Peter 2, from verse 4 through to verse 8. He says this, Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. When those words came and were announced to those believers that were scattered over that mass of land, when they first heard them, they must have felt like broken down stones or like a derelict building with no cohesion because they were in exile. They were living in out-of-the-way places, driven far away from home. But no matter what location they had landed at, their lives, you see, their lives were connected to Jesus, the chief cornerstone. Nothing could disconnect them. Nothing could break them apart from that connection that they had with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And that meant that they weren't broken down. Life may have scattered them. People may have been hostile and driven them out from their homes. But they weren't broken down. They weren't derelict. They were being built up. They weren't broken down. They were being built up to be God's house. Everything, Peter was telling them, everything is still on track. The apostles weren't pulling their hair out thinking, Oh, the church that we built through the power of the Holy Spirit, man has come against it. The devil has come against it. And look, he's dispersed it and destroyed it and scattered it. They weren't trying to hold on to a, a congregation. They weren't trying to keep it all together. They were just allowing God through his providence and through his sovereign plan to do what he had planned to do. And even if it was through the cruel hand of man persecuting the church and driving it to the four corners of the world, if that was the design, the apostles just gladly accepted it. And what they saw externally, they knew. Behind all of those externals, God's building program hadn't missed or skipped a beat. Everything was on track for these believers' lives. It really, it really was. Their progress hadn't been impeded at all. And Peter wanted to assure them that they were being built up into a glorious residence for God's very presence. We've got to remember this. It gives us perspective about life. It gives us perspective about the changes that occur around us. Because sometimes when we go through circumstances, we can be made to feel like we are abandoned. We can be made to feel that we're separated from God and from what God is doing. But no matter what life circumstance you or I go through, no matter how we feel, God will always point to the truth about us that can never change. You're chosen. You're set apart. You're blood-bought. Yeah, but Lord, you're chosen. You're set apart. You're blood-bought. You're a living stone joined to the cornerstone. 
There's no buts about it. Irrespective of what is happening in life, you are being, we are being built together as God's holy habitation for his residence. We, as all of the other believers around the world, are at the center, at the heart and center of what God is doing in the earth. Building his church, a holy habitation for him to dwell in. It's wonderful. It really is. It's the hope of every believer that anchors us together and makes us strong right across this earth. Hallelujah. I tell you, sometimes we should just give thanks to God in our own private time in relation to not only what he's doing in our house, but we are joined together with millions of believers right across this earth that are being built and joined together to become a holy habitation for our heavenly Father. What a wonderful thing it is. It really is. Everything's still on track. The church is God's home address on earth. And that will never change. You can, you can criticize the church. I'm not talking about you because I know you love it. But people can criticize the church out and about in the world. Do you know what? Doors will always be open for them. They'll always find a people that will embrace them and help them and, and challenge them, yes, and show, show them the truth, yes, according to God's word. But I'll tell you something now. The true church of Jesus Christ will never retaliate against a world that is, that is hurting, that is broken, that is bleeding, that is messed up in all of its views about life and about themselves. A loving church will open their heart, arms towards them and offer them grace and offer them love and care. That's the church that we are, that we're a part of. Joined to the chief cornerstone, connected in to him. Now, Peter tells all of these believers that had been scattered and rejected that Jesus, see, ties his message in to where they are to how they're feeling, to what they're facing. He tells them specifically that Jesus, the chief cornerstone, had also been rejected by men. Upwards of 50,000 people had been scattered from their homes right across the continent of Asia. In, in, in all of those different provinces, not knowing where they'd landed, in a new environment, feeling the hostility of it all and the rejection and the pain. And Peter comes, this great apostle that had walked with Jesus, that had seen him suffer and rejected firsthand. This great apostle comes so gently to tell them that in their rejection, Jesus had encountered the most fierce rejection as the chief cornerstone. He'd been rejected by men. But the stone that was rejected by men has been chosen by God. He has become the chief cornerstone from which every living stone is connected. And I know 
as pastor here, just through my work with people, sometimes the rejection that comes, that people experience, that they have to walk through from loved ones, from friends that suddenly turn colleagues at work. We've seen it all in different ways. Felt the pain of that cold rejection that isolates, that separates itself from you. Be comforted. Be comforted today. If you're, if you're feeling rejected or if you still carry the wounds of rejection from a loved one, be comforted today. The Lord himself that is seated on high carries the same shame, carried the same shame, carried the same wounds of rejection that pierced him. Rejected because he would not fit into a religious legal system. Rejected because he ministered in fields openly to tens of thousands of people and fed them with the provision of God. Rejected because he healed on the Sabbath and broke every law that was in place. Rejected because he lifted an adulterous woman and gave her a new future and sent her accusers away. Rejected because he accepted prostitutes and lives of every kind. Rejected because he sat with sinners. And laughed with them. And drank with them. And they called him a wine bib, a, a wine bibber. And a glutton. Because he sat in their feasts and showed his love and his grace and his mercy. Oh, he didn't become the sin. He didn't condone it, but he was there. He was there with love in his heart. He couldn't stay away. He had to go right into the center. And for that, he was rejected. For that, he was despised. For that, they said, we don't want nothing to do with you. You will not fit in here. That life of God will not fit in here. No, he faced. He faced the rejection of men. And he knows that when we feel rejected... He knows all of the anguish that it causes and all of the pain that it brings. But there's no one like him that can come alongside and be with you in that place of pain and bring you through it. There really isn't. Now, after showing that Jesus, the chief cornerstone, had been rejected by men and comforting them in their rejection... Next, Peter describes their lives and our lives to be like living stones. And the picture of our lives to stones is brilliant, really. Because just like no two stones are the same, so all of our lives are different and carry a unique story of God's saving grace. One of the things that Peter is showing us through this picture is that all of our lives 
are shaped very differently one from another. Recently, I was watching a stonemason at work. And I saw that by his side, he had a pile of stones that he was building his wall from. And what was amazing as I watched this skilled stonemason was that he was able to take every irregular shape of stone, every irregular size of stone, and knit it into the wall that he was building. As he picked up each stone, he could see exactly where it was going to be placed. He knew how to line it up exactly in the plan of his wall to be exact in relation to the cornerstone that he was working from. All of the different variant stones shaped no pro, uh, posed no problem to this stonemason at all because his skill and wisdom used every irregularity in the stones for the advantage of the wall as he connected them and brought them together. Huge stones he joined together with smaller stones. Yet the identity of each stone was retained in this wall that he was building. The small stones, the large stones, all retained their identity through the skill of the stonemason. When I looked at the pile of stones, I just saw an irregular pile of misshaped stones at the side of the road. But to the stonemason, this was perfect material to build with. When the stones just lay in the pile, they had no purpose, no meaning, and no function. But the moment they were taken by the craftsman, by the stonemason, the moment they were taken and chosen and placed in what was being built, they became living, useful, and connected to purpose. Peter sees our lives like that. Lives chosen, selected, and set apart, built together for God's holy habitation. And the wonderful thing, listen, and we kind of said this over the last two weeks, and this message really is saying the same in a different way to what's been said over the last two weeks through Paul's picture of the church being like a body with many parts. But the wonderful thing about this holy habitation of God that's being built up is that it's not being built up with uniform material. And that's why Peter uses this metaphor of our lives being like living stones. It's not, for instance, being built with bricks. Thank God Peter didn't call us living bricks. You've heard the saying, you're like a house brick. You are. No, he said, 
This habitation of God, this holy habitation of God is being built up with living stones. And Peter is very specific in identifying us with stones because all of our lives, just like the stones, are different. No two stones are the same. They're different and irregular. And like the stonemason works with every size, with every shape, with every weight of stone, so God embraces the whosoever with all of their life irregularities. And he fits us all together into this living building for his habitation. Tell you, in the, in the days and the years to come, we're going to see it, and we've seen it over many years. God just brings people into this place, the whosoever, from the wherever. And he, he brings them in with all of their irregular life history. And none are discounted. None are discounted at all. You look at the friend list of Jesus. You've got lepers on there. You've got prostitutes on there. You've got the lame, the outcast, the imprisoned. You've even got people living like half naked and crazy, chained up in a, in, in, in a cemetery. These are all on the friendship list of Jesus. What does the Bible, what does it say to us? The whosoever are welcome. He died for the whole world because he loves it. Irrespective of our irregularities, irrespective of our huge life history that would seem to condemn us, it never stands in the way of God. It never stands in the way of Jesus. He has a loving heart and loving eyes, and he embraces us the moment we believe. He's amazing. <laughs> he really is. Now, who likes a good illustration on a Sunday morning? Do you like an illustration? Of course you do. It's only Trish said yes. I'm going to do it anyway. I'll try it one more time. If you don't mean it, don't say yes. Who likes a good illustration on a Sunday morning? Oh, that's better. We're going to have, we're going to have a bit of an illustration now. We got Alex here. Come on, let's give Alex a, a round of applause. What a fantastic man this is. Right, I'm going to help him. Pray for, pray for our backs. Look, we've got some stones. Look how irregular these stones are. Got to be careful I don't drop it on my foot. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you see the preacher dance then. Drop that on my foot. 
Look how irregular, look how misshaped these stones are. They're not uniform, they're all different. They've got some dirt on them, look. Some moss growing on them. All kinds of stuff. But that's what really Peter is pointing out when he's saying that we're living stones. Our lives are irregular. There's a lot of history in these stones, just like there is in our lives. Our lives are just a, a mass, very often, of irregular material, a mass of history that we carry with us. And yet God chooses the stone over the brick. The brick's uniform. The brick's neat. The brick is exact in measurement. And as a material, the brick was used a lot more in Peter's day than the stone. The brick dated back all the way to Egypt when God's people were enslaved there. And for over 400 years, they made bricks. Bricks are a trusted material. Bricks are a durable material. But Peter chose to use stones to represent our lives as a metaphor and not bricks because these stones are all different shapes, are all different sizes. They have a huge history that's not manufacturer, ma manufactured by man but created by God. And those are what God chooses. God doesn't choose this. God chooses all of the irregularities of our lives. And from row to row, every single one of us are different. Every single one of us have a different life story. And yet that is seen by God as precious, that is seen by God as the necessary material that he is going to join to the chief cornerstone. You must never look at this big stone here and think that I'm just a little stone in comparison to that. No, it's just that that's got a bigger life history. <laughs> but there's no comparison between what's, what's big and small in, in, in God's heart, God just sees the irregularity of all of these, this material and he chooses it to join it to the chief cornerstone, Jesus. And you must never discount when looking at your life and all of its irregularities and all of its misshapes and all of its complexities and all of the things that would cause you to complain about it. You must never look at it and discount it because God has chosen it. He's chosen you. He, he has foreknown you. Before you ever even knew yourself, you are foreknown by God. You are chosen by God. You are set apart by the Holy Spirit. You see all this dirt on here? What's going to happen to that then? How are we going to get rid of it? Well, we're not going to get rid of it. We're not. No, God's made adequate preparation for everything in relation to your life and my life. Let me read to you what God declares over 
his living stones, you and I, that he's chosen and set apart by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, it's an incredible chapter, but this is an incredible verse, really, that encapsulates, really, the entire work and accomplishment of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, says this, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. By one sacrifice, there will never ever be any more sacrifices. One sacrifice that Christ made, he's perfected forever. These stones that he has chosen, you got to believe it. You've got to let it sink into your heart. You've got to let it become the reality and the expectation and the excitement of your life. This stone, as well as this stone, as well as this stone and every other stone, irrespective of their shape, size, weight, or irregularity, have been perfected forever. Hallelujah. And now, listen, so you're perfected forever. Right? And now you're being made perfect. You are being made holy. Or another translation says, you are being made sanctified. What does that mean? Well, it means that, see this habit that you can't get? I mean, you've, you've tried to change your habits. You just can't. And some of them you're really ashamed of. Oh, you tried your hardest. I mean, you've, you've tried to discipline yourself. You've gone fasting. You've tried to do everything in the book. You just can't get rid of this habit, this secret habit that you're so ashamed of that you hope nobody ever finds out about because it's so bad. And you've cried tears to God and you've done everything and you, it's, it's even worse. Well, you're being sanctified. And do you know what that means? The Holy Spirit, ever so gently, just comes and he takes a bit off. And he takes a bit off here. And through this life, he just begins to remove, to remove all of those things that you're not going to need anymore. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You're perfected forever. Listen, you're perfected forever by one sacrifice that's been made for you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When he went to the grave and he rose from the dead, you are, this stone is perfected forever. Now the Holy Spirit is just getting rid of what you don't need. Uh, we don't need that. We don't need this. We'll get rid of this. Just making you holy every single day. And there may be a couple of trials thrown in there too, just to, just to get rid of it. But he'll get, he'll get that in the end. You'll get that in the end. You can't make yourself holy. But you will be holy as God is holy because you're being made holy by the Holy Ghost. Isn't it great? Now, what God will not, I tell you, what God will not do is he won't transform you into one of these. Right? Because he loves your uniqueness. He made you who you are. Yes, it may have been tainted by sin. Yes, it may have been damaged by some, you know, by many wrong choices that we've all made along the, along the way. But you know what? He, he chose you. 
with all of your irregularities, with all of your complexities, with all of the things that you think discount you, God chose you with all of that, and you're joined to the chief cornerstone in Christ Jesus. I'm going to finish right there. I'm going to ask the, ask the musicians to come. All of the lives that we looked at through Romans chapter 16 over the last nine weeks, this is the final week today. If you want to look over them and think about them again, you can get them through the podcasts online. You can have a look and listen. But what I loved just when I started reading that chapter in Romans chapter 16 is how all of their lives were so different. The church, the church of Jesus Christ is not a, a place where we turn everybody into looking like this. No way. No. We're diverse. Like I said last week, the week before, we're diverse. We're different. And those differences don't divide us. Those diversities don't separate us. No, we thank God for them. Because the strength is in that diversity. The strength is in that difference. And we must respect the one who has chosen the stones with all of its diversity and all of its complexity. That he has chosen them and handled them and joined them to his son, the chief cornerstone. Finally, let me say this today now just before I pray. I know, I know that uh, there's people who are part of this church and you know they feel like scattered stones at the moment. Do you know? And um, they can't attend church any longer for various reasons. On a Sunday morning now, our services. They can't attend our Sunday morning services any longer, but they watch online. But you know what? They feel like scattered stones, and it could be for a variety of reasons. I know there's one lady, Beryl Manel. Anybody ever remember Beryl? Well, Beryl will be watching this morning. Let's give Beryl a round of applause. Come on. Come on, Beryl. Do you know what? Beryl Manel, Dale, we know Beryl well, Dale, don't we? And, and I know what a, what a faithful, faithful lady with her, with her husband, Chris. Beryl has been so faithful in this church. And do you know, through ill health, right? Through ill health, Beryl can't attend church as frequently as she would. But do you know, that lady... How is she making her life count then? Because she's a scattered stone. How is she? I'll tell you how she's making her life count. She prays for the church every day. Every one of you. Every one of you. We've got Vera Caddy. I saw Vera there last week, right? My God, my heart jumped when I saw this lady with her husband. Do you know Vera, right? Vera has been part of the church. And I'm going to embarrass her. I don't care. <laughs> Vera has been part of the church from day one. And I remember going out 
We used to go out on a Monday night up the bus station, right? Telling people about Jesus. Vera was there <clears throat> every week, making her life count, telling people about Christ. And has, has, has never stopped doing that. There's, there's others who are watching online this morning or who will watch in the week. They're like scattered stones at the, at the moment. Their, their, their whole life routine has been hit with the enemy, hit by the enemy, and they've been shaken. But do you know what? I tell you, the message of God's word to them is this, foreknown by God, chosen, sanctified by the Spirit, blood bought their living stones not broken down stones but stones being built up and even though they may not be able to attend this place physically hallelujah they are part of this spiritual building god's holy habitation he sees he sees the heart and the reasons that we do not know he sees and i'm telling you their lives are precious chosen by god joined to the cornerstone. Hallelujah. <laughs> so that's a little encouragement. Little encouragement for others in our family. They'd love to be here. They're going through things. Encourage. Let's encourage one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's, let's pray for one another. That's how you make your life count. Pray for one another. Love one another. Go the extra mile. Some are sick in their body. They can't be here. If you hear about it, cook them a meal. Visit them. Take them out. Go the extra mile. Be that good Samaritan on that road where, that they're on, that, they're, that they've fallen in. Help them. Let's be that body. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for your people. Holy Spirit, you know our way. You know every aspect of our lives. Nothing escapes your attention. Holy Spirit, thank you that we are foreknown by the Father. We're chosen. Chosen. We are sanctified by the Spirit. And our lives, with all of their irregularities, with all of their misshapes and their complexities, our lives are being built up to be living stones as your holy habitation for you to dwell in. We thank you for it. And Lord, we thank you for choosing us. We thank you, Lord, for taking us from where you found us in the quarry of this world. And you lifted us up to be your people, to be your habitation. We thank you that that has not changed irrespective of circumstances that we face. We thank you for it. And Lord, right now, over this congregation, I thank you. You have blessed them. You have favored them. Your grace is towards them. And as we go from this place into the world in which we live. Lord, I pray that we would be a shining light, that we our words would be words of hope, that we would reach into the lives of others with your saving grace and your, your message of goodness and salvation. Lord, that they too would become living stones as they place their trust, faith, 
in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to sing and then pray. Come on, let's give God thanks for his word. Hallelujah. And be expectant. Listen, be expectant. Be expectant. I got another little story, right? I'm going to tell you. Faye's going to pray in a moment. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart, you want to place your faith in him, Faye's going to pray and help you do that. I was riding my bike last Sunday night. There's another one. I just come off the mountain. I was about to go home. And I had my Bibles in my bag. And I thought, oh, man. I haven't seen anybody to give any Bibles to. And then, by the side of the road, there was a man, he'd broken down in his car. And there was an RAC man next to him. So I jumped over the fence. And I said, uh, with my bike, I said, do you need a tow, boys? I'll tow you home on the bike. They started laughing. They didn't find it very funny. And then I put my bag down unzipped the pouch, pulled out two Bibles, walked up to them, and out of my spirit, it just came. I said, boys, this is for when life breaks down. One took it. The RAC man, I walked over to him. I said, there you go. I said, this is for when life breaks down. He said, RAC man looked at me. He said, there's a lot of breakdown in life, isn't there? I said, yes, there is, sir. I said, but Jesus Christ loves you. I said, turn to the front of this book. I said, whenever you go through difficulty in life, I said, read here God's word for your life, and it will give you hope, and Jesus will give you salvation. Me and my mother went for coffee up the indoor. Have you been in the indoor market yet in Newport? No, you don't know what you're missing. It's fantastic up there. See, there's opportunities all around us. I tell you this for, what, for one reason and one reason only. Every single one of us are called to go into the world, right? To preach the gospel, the good news, and to see people receive Christ and, and, and to follow Christ as disciples. Every one of us. He didn't just say it to pastors. He said it to every single one of us. We go up and I walk in, right? I'm suited and booted in my Lycra. I got my bike and my helmet on. I tell you what, I don't know what they thought of me. I was in fancy dress. Walked in and I could see the security guard following me. I had my bike. And he said, he said, you can't park that in here. He was a really nice guy, actually. He said, you can't park that in here, sorry. Because I, I, I was going to take it into the cafe. And so I said, all oh, right, okay. He said, but follow me, he said. He said, I'll show you where you can lock it up. I said, great. So we went to a side in the indoor market. He said, you can, you can lock it up here. I took my satchel off or my backpack. I put it down and did the zip. Got my lock out and I could see two Bibles there. Right? Down we go. This is on Wednesday. Picked the Bibles up. I said, I said sir, I said, you need this. He said, what is it? I said, it's a Bible. I said, Jesus Christ loves you very much. I said, he wants to save you. I said, he, his love for you. I said, when you ask him into your heart, it's incredible. 
He said, he said, oh, thank you. And then I told him about the little guidance page at the front. And then his friends started to walk over. Is another security guard. I said, sir, come here. You need one of these as well. He said, what is it? I said, this will tell you how to get from A to B. He said, well, I'm stuck on A at the moment. I said, well, if you follow the words and the advice in this book, you'll be able to get to B. I'll take it, he said. What is it? I said, it's the Bible. I said, Jesus loves you very much. And I said, the moment that you place your faith in him, I said, a miracle of salvation will occur in your heart. I said, have you ever, I said, have you ever been on the phone? And I said, you hear a recorded message. And you have, to, you have to press a number on the phone. And then that takes you to another recorded message. I said, I had one this week with a certain agency in Newport that I will not name. Because I don't want to talk disparagingly of any agency in Newport. But I said, I waited on call with music and repeated recorded voices for 15 minutes. And they said I was in a queue and I would be answered in 15 minutes. And at the end of 15 minutes, the voice said to me, you've got to wait another 18 minutes. So do you know what I did? I said, I put the phone down because I haven't got time to waste. And he's laughing. I said, listen, the Bible says, call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. I said, there's no interruption. I said, the moment that you call on Jesus Christ to be your Savior, there is immediate assistance and you will experience a miracle of salvation. I said, he'll never put you on hold. You'll never get an, an engaged tone or you'll never, ever have to talk to a voice, <laughs> to a voicemail. I mean, he was getting it all at once. I said, listen, Jesus loves you, sir. Very much. He went away with his Bible. He said, thank you very much. I'll read it. Listen, I say that to say this. Let's go. Let's go into the world. Jesus said, go. He didn't say stay. Go, he said. Go into the world and make disciples. Let's just go and do it. And be expectant. Because I tell you, if you're expectant, God will provide opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for you to reach a lost and a dying world around you that needs you. Amen. Amen. Amen.